So I brought the, uh, the manual Bible with me today instead of the electric one. The electric one runs out of batteries sometimes. It's always at the wrong place. And so I'll, I'll wear my glasses when we read it, but I'm gonna read through these scriptures. Matthew 19, 16 it says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to them, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that's God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these things I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, Go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that for a rich man, it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Then his disciples heard it, when they just heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then Peter answered and said to him, see, we've left all and followed you, therefore what shall we have? So Jesus said to them, assuredly I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sets on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and last first. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard, and when he went out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and said to them, you also go into my vineyard, and whatever is right, I'll give you. So they went. And again, he went out about the sixth hour, and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said, Because no one's hired us. And he said to them, You also go into my vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when the evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those who came were hired, who, when those who came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and likewise, they received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, "These last men worked only an hour, and you made them equal to us, and who have borne the burden of the heat of the day." But he answered to one of them and said, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours, go away. 
I wish to give to this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things, or else is your eye evil because I'm good? So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. So, the rich young ruler, the story, some... some uh, Studies call it a parable, but it's not a parable, it's a story. The parable's afterwards. But Jesus told the rich young ruler to, in answer to his question what he needed to do to have this eternal life for the age abiding life, this quality of life that he knew Jesus had, and he wanted that from Jesus. And, and Jesus said, well, you know the... Uh, the commandments, and he named off a few, and he also added to you know, basically a sum, summation of, uh, you should love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man could boast. He said, hey, I've done that from the time I was young. I mean, that's just how I live. And uh, probably pride, had a little bit of pride about that. But um, Jesus said, well, if you're going to be perfect, if you're going to be complete, if you really want to know you need to go and sell what you have and give to the poor and then come and follow me and you'll have treasure in heaven. So he was pointing out to the young man where his heart was and saying that, you know, you're dependent upon your riches. You want something more. You got to change your focus and this will do it. Now, it's not a sin to be rich. But Jesus said it is hard for a rich person to enter into heaven. And it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. Now, there's a story that goes something about the camel. There was an eye of a needle. It was a smaller door opening into Jerusalem. And so the camels had to uh, kneel down to get in through the uh, hole in the wall. And that was called the eye of a needle. But that's not true. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, an actual eye of a needle, and Jesus is saying it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get in heaven. And it's, it shocked his disciples. They were astonished. It's, it's, they were shocked. He said, what? Because the young man went away sorrowful because he had many riches. Now, obviously, Jesus put his finger on the problem because he wouldn't have went away that way if that wasn't a problem. Now, it doesn't say that was his last chance. It doesn't say that he didn't do that later. We just hope for the best. Some commentators reach out and say that maybe that's John Mark, because John Mark was uh, a man of uh, substance. His family had something, and so maybe that's Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark and, you know, later on, you know, did come and sell everything. And we have that incident of where he's in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. It talks about a young man who was uh, there and uh, not clothed with anything but a sheet and, you know, ran away when the Romans came. And they may think that's Mark. I don't know. But that's just a thought. So it doesn't mean he went away forever. But at that moment, he, he had a lot of things to think about. And so it's hard for the rich to get in heaven. But Peter's question, in response to their surprise that Jesus said, well, you know, it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a, person, a rich person to get to heaven. And, and Peter just said, okay, well, 
think about this. Uh, what will we get because we have given up everything? We've done that already. What do we get? And uh, Jesus first answered him, uh, sort of a, a direct answer to his question concerning Peter and the uh, apostles. He said that you guys are going to, in the resurrection, when I'm seated in the, on the throne of my glory, you're also going to be seated on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So that was special for Peter and the rest of you guys. This is what's going to happen in the regeneration, they call it. But then he goes on and says that everyone who leaves everything in this world to follow me. And it's interesting that Jesus points to a relationship's uh, as well as possessions. And uh, sometimes the hardest thing is to leave a relationship that is wrong. And or just uh, leave your father and mother because they don't, they're not believers. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's not always easy to follow Jesus. It might be the hardest thing you've ever done. But to let those things pass and to follow him. And he said, those who have given up these things in this life to follow me, they'll receive a hundred times these things and more in the kingdom. Now, it doesn't mean, as you may have, if you've watched any uh, televangelist, it doesn't mean that if you give up what you have, and that's always not give up what you have, but give it to me, and uh, you'll receive... A hundred times, you know, just take out that wallet and just pray that hundred times, you know. <laughs> that hundredfold blessing come to you. That's wrong, too. That's a lie. Jesus wasn't talking about receiving in this life. He was saying that you give up things in this life. Now, if you have things that he doesn't require you to give up, that's okay, too. But your heart needs to be with him. And it was Corey Tinboom that said, that uh, sometimes we do not know that Jesus is all we need until Jesus is all we have. And sometimes the Lord has to bring us to that point as all I have is you, Lord, he says. Great starting point. And so bringing the disciples in on this, he, he says, uh, he gives them a teaching. He launches off to a, into a parable, he says, there was this owner of a vineyard, harvest time, and he went to the marketplace, and that's where the day laborers were, just like going to Home Depot today. You know, you can pick up some day laborers. You won't get them for a denarius, though. But, <laughs> but uh, he talked to them. They, they made an agreement that uh, they would receive an a denarius for their day's work. But then he went out a couple more times into the marketplace, and he found some other guys hanging around, and he said, you go also into uh, my vineyard. And instead of making an agreement with them what the fair wage would be, he just said, I'll give you whatever's right. And so they went. And then it went off to the 11th hour, and that means there was only one hour left work and he said what have you been doing all day here idle and they said well nobody's asked us to do anything and he said well I am go to my vineyard 
and work, and I'll give you whatever's right. And so, and then the reckoning came, the, the payment at the end of the day, and he told his steward to pay the first ones, or the last ones, the last ones that went out, pay them first. And so they gave each one a denarius. And then when the ones who were, went out first, they said they were expecting to get more because, and they complained, they said, hey, we've been working all day in the sun, we put in a lot more effort, and you're giving these guys that only worked an hour, probably in the cooler time of the day, the same pay as us. And they complained. Now, the owner of the vineyard reminded them that they agreed to pay, work for that much pay. And he says, it's, it's, it's up to me to decide how I'm going to pay everybody else. So there was that complaint. And so in looking at that, what, what are we talking about? The, the, the last will be first and the first will be last. And he's talking about their attitude. How are they serving? And he's, you know, this is related to the, the rich young ruler, the, the riches keeping him from coming, and then the disciples saying, you know, what are we going to get? And so Jesus is telling them that, you know, maybe they need to alter their focus too and serve, change their attitude about serving and not looking for what they're going to get. Because the disciples, I mean, they were still in that time. They didn't know Jesus was going to the cross, except the verses right after these. Jesus pulls them aside and tells them, but they just couldn't hear that. And so they are looking to get something. When Jesus sets up the kingdom, he's going to do it any time. We're going to go to Jerusalem. This is going to happen. What are we going to get? You know, we're going to be really high mucky mucks in the kingdom of, of Christ here, here on earth. And they, that's what their mindset was. And Jesus said, uh, no, not necessarily. Not in this life, but in the uh, regeneration. When I sat on the throne of my glory. And so he, then he pulls them into a little teaching that they might understand and adjust their attitude to serving. Now, the parable goes that he, the owner of the vineyard, and we could say that's God, or we can say just as the owner of the vineyard. It's just the person coming to say to them, you know, to, to the uh, workers that are waiting in the marketplace to be hired, and he works with them, and they work on an agreement. So the first ones have an agreement. They know what they're going to do. They know how much they're going to get for it. The few that came after that, that he went out three more times to the marketplace, he just said, whatever's right, I'll give you. And they were fine with that. And it was those last ones that Jesus said are first. Not that only they got first in their pay. That was set up by the... In the parable, the owner of the vineyard said to the steward, pay them first. But just to expose the attitude of the first, how they were last, really, because of that. Now, we serve God. We serve God. And what do we serve for? What are we expecting? What do we do it for? Now, there are those who are first. There are those who 
who um, maybe they're a professional clergy, maybe they've, they've gone to seminary and then they've been hired on at, at a church denominational thing and they, they are looking for, that's their job. They, they, they've gone through the schooling and this is where they want to be hired and this is what they want to do and they look for the best deal in that doing that. Not wrong to be a professional clergy to, in that sense, but if the attitude is this is my job and I want to get this much pay for it and you know work on raises, retirement benefits and that sort of thing, um, nothing wrong except maybe if that, your attitude is this is all I'm doing it for. Maybe, maybe there's an adjustment needs made there. Now those of us, Calvary Chapel is notorious for this. We've, we came from different backgrounds, you know. We didn't attend the seminary, which we look back and say, man, I wish I would have attended the seminary. Maybe I would have known more. But, but uh, we just went out because we were asked to go. <laughs> And um, our attitude is whatever, whatever's fair, <laughs> whatever God gives us, we just have to go. We just have to do it. And uh, you know, we we our our possessions sometimes suffer because of that. Our family members sometimes suffer because of that. We have to leave some things because of that, but we go because He's called us. And maybe we. Don't go out right away. Maybe the uh, professionals are out there first, and we're in, working in our job, or they're carpenters, whether we're doing something else, or they're, we're just providing for our families. And then, you know, we hear the call and we change directions. Maybe we continue in our vocation for a while, or maybe forever, in my case, <laughs> to pay the bills and to. Um, do the church too and and uh you know so we go out there and maybe there's some that you know which i'm coming to that maybe in their retirement they've they've lived their lives they they've worked all hard all their life they've provided for their family and and uh now at retirement you know god comes to him to them and says why well, you been idle all this time <laughs> <laughs> and you're thinking retirement and you know, snowbirding or something, and, and God calls you. Says, no, you also go into my vineyard. You're the last, but go. And even though you got just an hour, you know, I don't know how much time we have after retirement, you know, but uh, you go too. And then in the, in the reckoning, you know, God calls the, uh, the last first because the first one's, we're complainers. Now, it, it is a job to be a pastor, to work in ministry, there's no doubt, and there's no problem with a paycheck to adequate. Paul tells Timothy that, that you know, the laborer is worthy as hire, and the elders are worthy honor, and the, especially those who labor in the word are worth double honor, you know, there, there's, there's not, we're not to muzzle the ox, but that treads the grain. But, you know, it's all about attitude. Jesus is trying to do a shift there. So we have to, our question, the question for us is, 
is are we listening to the owner of the vineyard? Are we serving? Have we been asked to serve? Are we just idle in the marketplace? Is it our time? I don't know. That's between you and God. And you have to seek from the Lord what he wants. Now, we're living in some interesting times, aren't we? We could call up the last days and you say, oh, yeah. <laughs> this new world order that's happening so quickly. How much time do we have left? I don't know. It's, it's, it's shocking what's going on in the world. And um, there's a message that has to get out this world that they need to hear. And what are we doing with the vineyard? Are we going out and working? Difficult question. But we need to go. If God calls us, I mean, we're called as Christians just to share our faith. And that just should happen in conversation. Everyone at your work, do they think you're just a nice guy? Smiles a lot or something? Or do they know you're a Christian? I have a problem at my work. They're all very familiar with who I am as a Christian and a pastor. And, and uh, it, it doesn't always stimulate conversation. They just respect, you know, they clean up their language not when I'm around and that sort of thing, you know. And uh, I, I, I like that. I don't want to hear it anyway. But, you know, but it, it, you never know because uh, you could be going along thinking, you know, you're into your task and one of the guys comes up to you and says, what about God? You know, it's like, I'm working. <laughs> what do you do? You just, you answer their questions. And so... Are we serving? If we're serving, why are we serving? Are we like the apostles thinking, this is, what are we going to get from it? What's, it, what's going to happen? Now there, like I mentioned, there are those who will teach you falsely that you're all God's children, that God is the king of the universe. You're a king's kids. King's kids don't live in poverty. Now, please, don't cut that out of my sermon and say this is what Les is preaching. But uh, you should be rich. And not only rich, you should never be sick. Why would God ever want you sick? And this is the, the message that comes across. And there are rich pastors that have put forth this message for years. It's a wrong message because God may want you rich. He may not want you rich. He told the rich young ruler who was rich to become poor. And, you know, the disciples are saying, what's in it for me? And so if we're into it, if we're into God for what God will bless us with, our attitude's wrong. We're into God because we love God. He's done so much for us that we cannot repay that. And it would be a sin to try to repay it, but at least we can offer ourselves as his servants. So why are we serving? The first that were contracted to go out into the field or to, to the vineyard, but they were, they agreed, I'll do it for this. I'll do it for this wage. I'll do it because this is, it won't really cost me anything. I'll make something from it. The others who went out through different parts of the day they just believed the promise of the vineyard 
owner that he would pay them what's right. And they'd, well, they weren't doing anything else, so why not do something productive? We serve, will we serve at the first call, the last call, middle call? Whenever we're called, we'll serve. Now the master of the vineyard, the owner, he called the attitude of the first that were accusing him of being unjust. He said, uh, you're evil. Because you complain. Now there are those, I mean, everybody, almost everybody needs a job, gets a job to support themselves. You agree to go in at a certain wage that there are complainers on the job. Ever work with somebody to complain? You, it wasn't you though, right? <laughs> how much we're getting, how much we should get, and they complain not only about the wages, they complain about the work, they complain about the other guys who are getting more than them, they shouldn't get more than them, they complain about the managers, they complain about the owner, they complain. And Jesus said, that's evil. He said, why are you complaining? It's, I, can, I agreed with you to, do, to pay you a denarius. You're getting a denarius. You just supposed you should have more. But we didn't talk about it. Peter and the disciples were still thinking that Jesus would establish the kingdom and establish them in some prominent positions without understanding the necessity of the cross. After the cross, after the resurrection, in the regeneration, that's, that's when the rewards come. We have blessings of the relationship we have with Jesus Christ now and he is a blessing God and Peter didn't get it at first the disciples didn't get it at first even though he told them and told them reiterated to them he had to go to the cross when he did go to the cross they all left him and they were discouraged Peter denied him said, this isn't supposed to be happening. This isn't the way I planned it. And after the resurrection, Jesus, when he appeared to the disciples, he, he uh, worked on Peter some more. He, he, he restored Peter when they were on the shore of the Sea of Galilee in John 21. And Peter had a better understanding of it then. In John 21, Jesus went to Peter. Now, Peter was there with the disciples. They knew they were gonna, supposed to meet Jesus in the Galilee after the resurrection. And Peter said, well, I'm going to go fishing. We've waited a long time. I'm going to go fishing. Now, what was Peter doing before he was called by Jesus? He was fishing. What is he reverting to? 
something that he wasn't called to. He was, he was called away from that to become fishers of men. But Peter, he's just making choices without hearing the voice of God. And while they were out, they had nothing. They caught nothing all night. A lot of work for nothing. And Jesus on the shore called to them and said, Yay, did you catch anything? I'm paraphrasing. And uh, they said, you should have saw the one that got away, you know. <laughs> and he said, put your nets in at the, on the right side. Cast them on the right side. And so they did. What else? What have they got to lose? And then, of course, the nets were full, so full they were breaking. And uh, John looked at Peter and said, that's the Lord. <laughs> Da-da, you know. <laughs> and so Peter jumped into the water and swam to the shore and met the Lord and helped pull in the uh, nets of the fish. But then after they had breakfast there, Jesus uh, walked with Peter and said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. Now, if we were Greek scholars, we would say Jesus, the different types of love, the agape love, the supreme love that God has for the all-giving, all-sacrificing love is agape. And Jesus is asking, Peter, do you agape me? Sacrifice everything for our relationship. And Peter said, you know, I phileo you, which phileo is friendship. You know, you're my best buddy, you know. And Jesus, and Jesus said, feed my sheep. Hey, go into my vineyard. And Jesus asked again, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter said, you know you're my best friend. <laughs> you know I, I, I flail you. And, and he said, tend, tend my sheep. And the third time Jesus said, Peter, do you phileo me? Are we best buds? And Peter was kind of upset because Jesus asked the third time, but not that he just asked the third time, but how he asked the third time. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know my heart, basically. He said, feed my sheep. That was all it took. And Peter, Peter was off from that time. He knew what he was supposed to do. And his reward was Jesus. He wasn't looking to get rich anymore. He wasn't looking for his position in the kingdom. He was looking just to serve. The attitude change. And you know, when something is so as important to you as your relationship to Jesus, somebody you'll do anything for, when he asks you to do anything, you do it without question. You don't know how things will work out, but that's faith. If it was easy, it wouldn't be faith. Paul, the apostle, wrote to the Philippians in chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. He said, I've, I've, uh, I've counted those things which were gained to me, the things I had before Christ, the position, the, the possessions and everything. I've counted them lo uh, lost for the for knowing Christ. He said, indeed, you know, I've actually lost everything. And I just count it rubbish for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. 
and then in later on he says that he was still still pressing on he was a little bit later in his ministry but he was still pressing on he says i'm not done yet there's something there's the the high calling the prize that i'm still pressing on toward and forgetting the past i'm still not there and he doesn't talk about a reward he doesn't talk about a pay he doesn't talk about anything but a relationship for the excellency of knowledge of christ how are we serving why are we serving will we serve The rich young ruler wanted to have the life that Jesus possessed. Not eternal life necessary, but the quality of life, the age-abiding life. This life that, you know, he saw, he sensed in Jesus. But Jesus said that you have to put your heart. Now, Jesus said in another place, he said, you know, where your treasure is, there's where your heart is. You say, well, I'll, I'll change my heart. I'll, I'll focus on Jesus. But you've got to ask yourself, where's your treasure? And uh, there's really where your heart is. Difficult thing to grasp and deal with. He told this rich young ruler to not be rich anymore. You have to totally change where, where your heart's at what you're dependent on. Now that, that would be difficult. If you don't have anything to begin with, you don't worry too much about giving up things. But if you have a lot, and he says you have to give it all up, that's a difficult proposition. I'm not saying that it's an impossible proposition. It's something that if God asks for that, do it. There's only one answer to God in anything he asks you for or to do, and that's, yes, Lord. Yes. When I first came to the Lord, I was about 20 years old. I was raised in the church and, and stuff, but I pretty much abandoned all faith for a long time, and but I came back to the Lord, and, and the first, first thing I remember saying to God is like, I will never say no to you. I, that was just my attitude when I came, finally came to the Lord. I, I just gave it all, and I said, I'm never going to say no to you. And uh, he's kept me to that promise. And I've been through some difficult things. We could share war stories, but um, it's always, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Never, but, but what, you know, if he calls you to do something, you know in your heart what he's calling you to do. You don't have to talk to your neighbor, your wife, your pastor, or anybody to say, you know, I think the Lord might be leading me this way. You know what he's leading you for. You say, no, I don't. No, I, no, you know deep in your gut. You know back in the back of your mind. You know what's bugging you. You know where he's calling you. You know what he wants you to do. You're just looking for excuses when you start talking to people about it. Now, it's not wrong to share with people what the Lord's telling you to do. Maybe there's some wise advice out there. But 
But, uh, you know, you have to settle it between you and God. How do you do that? With a lot of concentration on the Lord, with a lot of prayer, with a lot of study in his word, with a lot of working on that relationship, because that's where the call's coming from, is out of the relationship. God doesn't just come through the door and say, I need some workers. And you, you, and you. You know, he doesn't do that. He says, uh, friend, help me out. Do this for me. It's a relationship thing. He only calls you out of a relationship. If he has no relationship with you, you don't have anything to worry about. Well, you have more to worry about than just being called. <laughs> that needs to be settled. And, and this morning, if you haven't had that relationship yet with Jesus Christ, where you come to him and you commit your life to him, you do it this morning. Because there's a lot of things that he has for your life, and it's not riches, okay? But it's a relationship thing and blessings that you don't know. You just don't know what the Lord's going to do with your life. It's an adventure. Not easy. The most difficult thing you've ever tried is probably to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, unwavering. I've heard guys over the years, different people, tell me, you know, before I was a Christian, I, I had it easier. <laughs> yeah, maybe you did. <laughs> But what did you have? You know, you had it easier. As a Christian, it can be the most hardest or the hardest life you could live, but it's the most blessed life you can live. And what do you want? The things of this world, the easiest things, the, the, the richer things that you want, those things to reserve just for whatever is fair. Let God give you and commit it all to him. Serve out of love. You'll be rewarded in heaven. That's all that matters. We don't know how much time we have in this world. We don't know. I've, I've, I'm almost afraid to retire because everybody that I know retires, they just kind of expire. <laughs> it's like looking forward to Steve <laughs> looking forward to finding that out though I guess but uh, love the Lord with all your heart mind and soul and your strength love your neighbor as yourself if God speaks to your heart if he says you, you go too just say yes Lord Go, don't complain. Don't be like the complainers. But just receive whatever he has for you. Amen?